Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... second book of Samuel, place this man in the forefront of the hottest battle, and then draw back from him, that he may be struck down and killed. Yes, some 3,000 years ago, a mighty king sent these secret instructions to one of his frontline commanders. It's quite an old drama by this time, but not surprisingly, it's revived quite often. The original cast consisted of David... Bathsheba and Uriah, the Hittite. But who can say for certain how many others have also played those roles? I I won't leave Ernie. Dinah, you don't love him. I don't believe in divorce. Oh, I suppose he would leave you. He would never leave me. He would, Beatrice, if he were dead. What are you saying? You know what I'm saying. Oh, no. No, never. Just give yourself a little time to get used to the idea. Our mystery drama, Squaring the Triangle, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Felicia Farr and Ian Martin. It is sponsored in part by Contact, the 12-hour cold capsule. I'll be back shortly with that one. In days gone by, the king, the chieftain, whatever he was called, was the all-powerful one whose word was law. You lived or died at his pleasure. He took whatever he wanted. Your possessions, your life, your wife. Today, of course, we have laws that protect the existence and the rights of the individual. But we still have those who give orders and those who must obey them. We're aboard a large, luxurious private jet. The pilot is having an anxious radio conversation. All right, if we can't set down in Chicago, what else is open? Uh-huh. What about Cleveland and Detroit? Well, tell me where it isn't snowed in. Is that the best you can do? Okay, thank you, Denver. Over and out. Uh, Polly, what's Jerry doing back there? Yeah, we'll tell him to come forward and take over. I've got to have a little conference with the old man. And the news is not good. What do you mean we can't end in Chicago? It's snowing, DJ. You mean you're going to let a little snow stop us? Nine inches. This is ridiculous. I have to be in Chicago. We have the Eastern States merger schedules. What are you staring at me for? No, I'm not staring, DJ. I'm, I'm just thinking that uh, maybe God has to do something like this to you now and then just to prove to you who's really running the world. One of these days, Richie, I'm going to fire you. Yeah, you say a word and I'll quit right now. Oh, where are we going to land? Well, the only clear field is 350 miles southwest of Chicago, a place called Central City. I never heard 
Central City, Missouri, population 47,000, home of Valentine Forge and Foundry, division of Transamerica Metals, a subsidiary of D.J. Pryor Industries. You mean there is a Valentine Forge and Foundry? Never heard of it. Earned a million four last year after taxes. Good. I'll be able to look in on him. Let's see, the general manager's named, uh, and I could check it out in my book, but I'd like to remember, uh, <laughs> Oliver. Ernest Boxdale Oliver, 38 years old, graduate of Colorado College of Mines. You know, DJ, you do this just to impress people. It's a stunt. I think I'll look this Oliver fellow over and have him and his wife to the hotel for dinner. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be thrilled. Richie, what's your sign? What sign? Oh, you mean my horoscope? Oh, come on, DJ, a man like you. Ah, but I believe in it. Pick up that newspaper. You see, I'm the Sagittarius. That's me. What does it say? Well, it says, uh, expect a change in plans. Well, we are having a change in plans, aren't we? And a romantic adventure. <laughs> are they kidding? In Central City? <laughs> well, okay, I have to admit the first half is right. And don't bet against the second half either. see no kiss. Well, is uh, dinner ready? Dinner's ready. Oh, I'm sorry. I should know you aren't too chipper on Anna's night off. Oh, I'm very chipper. Indeed. Well, it affords me the opportunity to do something creative, even if it's only to prepare a dinner. Well, I must say you are unsurpassed, actually even unequaled as a cook. We should give Anna more nights off. Don't push your luck, Ernest Boxdale Oliver. Now, look, honey, what, what, what's the matter? Nothing's the matter. I've, I've merely been reviewing my hectic life in this exciting, dynamic metropolis. All right. What do you want me to do? Quit my job? That's exactly what I want you to do. At my age, where would I get another one? You're only 38. Well, where would I get a better one? I'm general manager of Valentine Forge and Foundry. I know. A division of Trans-American Metals. A subsidiary of D.J. Pryor Industries. Well, that's something. Ernie. He went to engineering school to study the secrets of the earth in the hopes of going forth and finding them. And you know what that sounds like? It sounds like adventure. And where do you live? Everywhere. Where's everywhere? Well, it isn't here in Central City where you suffocate. Suffocate? In one of the finest houses in the best district in town? In your own car? With money in the bank? A terrific country club? Vacations? Trips? That's suffocating? That's not the kind of regimented life I had in mind. Oh, a new word? Regimented. Ernie, I... I just don't want you to become one of those corporate type of guys. Your life isn't your own. Hey, you're going pretty good tonight. Now, don't lose that train of thought. I'll just answer this and tell whoever it is to call back later. Hello? Could you call back later? Who? Uh, this is. Uh, uh, yes, sir. Oh, y yes, yes, sir. Of, of, of course. Uh, ab ab absolutely. <clears throat> yes, sir. Uh, we have absolutely no other plans. Uh, right away. Yes, sir. Beatrice, do you know who that was? The Lord? Beatrice, it was the boss. You mean Ted Wilson over at regional headquarters? It was the boss. Donald J. Pryor. D.J. Pryor. D.J. Oh, yes, Virginia, there is a D.J. Pryor. Fancy that. He called me. He actually called me. My goodness. Well, what are we standing around for? We have to go. Where? He's, he's here in Central City. Oh, my. This is exciting. He's at the old International Hotel. 
Too bad no one was told he was coming. So we've built him a new one. Yeah, that, that dress is perfect, honey. You can, you can go just the way you are. Go where? To the International Hotel. Why? Mr. Pryor just invited us to have dinner with him. I thought we had arranged to dine at home tonight. As a matter of fact, I went to all of the trouble of preparing dinner. Darling, when D.J. Pryor calls and invites you, you know what that is? It's a command performance. <laughs> Look, if you want to go to the International Hotel to eat with Mr. Pryor, do so. I'm dining here. Oh, but, but he specifically stated he wanted us both. He didn't happen to inquire if you were free for dinner, did he? Beatrice, do you know who this man is? I am going to meet D.J. Pryor. I'm no longer just one of 87,000 people who work for him. I am somebody. Good for you. And we have to go. I hope you have a good time. What are you trying to do? Ruin me? I'm trying to save you. From what? I don't know from what. Why didn't you ask him to join us? Now, Beatrice, the man knows what he wants to do. Where's that phone book? What do you think you're going to do? Let me see. I... Uh, inter... International. Beatrice, please don't rock the boat. I'm not rocking it. I just want to make sure this man knows whose boat it is. Uh, I don't want you to do that. Look, when DJ Pryor says come to dinner and you don't start making other plans for him. Shh, be quiet. Hang up. Hello? <sighs> May I have Mr. Pryor, please? Excuse me. I am Mrs... No, no, don't give your name. This is Ernest Boxdale Oliver. Thank you. Oh, now you've done it. Pryor? How do you do? I'm Beatrice Oliver. I'm afraid Ernest just wasn't thinking. Thanks. Thanks a million. Under no condition shall we permit you to subject yourself to that alleged cuisine at the International. We're about to sit down to a modest dinner ourselves. Won't you join us? Oh, but Mr. Pryor, I insist. Oh, great. Just great. Certainly. Goodbye. Well, uh, what, what, what did he say? He'd be delighted. Well, I must say I've been exposed to gourmet cooking all over the world, but... Exposed? What an odd way to put it. Uh, what DJ means, Beatrice? I know what he means. But yours is a triumph. Thank you, Mr. Pryor. Oh, you must call me DJ. I, I will. If you call me Beatrice. I like everyone to call me DJ. Do you? I only encourage the people I like to call me Beatrice. Yeah, honey, what uh, DJ means... I don't know what he means. Little did I dream at 3 o'clock this afternoon, flying above the clouds at 35,000 feet, that I would... Oh, do, you, do you write detective stories? Beatrice, why would DJ write detective stories? Well, that's how practically every mystery story begins. Little did I dream when the dark, massive doors of Bilderbeck's mansion closed behind me. But then... <laughs> so I see you know you're right. Oh, then you do write mystery stories. No, I prefer to live them. Uh, you, you see, dear, like most adventurous people, DJ is fond of suspense. Things can't be all that suspenseful, DJ. After all, many times he's able to influence the ending. Well, you flatter me, Beatrice. As I told you, my plane was forced to land in what might be considered a remote place called Central City. Oh, I must agree with you there. It is remote. However, I knew I would put the time to good account. Wherever you may find yourself, you are not too far from some division or subsidiary of prior industries. You and the British Empire. Now, honey, where, where did the British Empire come into this? Now, if it were back in those old days... At this point, I believe a gentleman would retire to the library for brandy and cigars. <laughs> but nobody smokes cigars around here. Uh, but brandy, yes, we have that uh, extra special. You're going to love this, DJ. Uh, excuse me uh, while I go and get it for you. What are you trying to do to that nice little chump? What a nice little chump. Your husband? 
He's not a nice little chump. Well, then don't treat him like one. What are you talking about? You know perfectly well. He's ready to die every time you open your mouth. He's terrified. He thinks he's going to be fired. Are you going to fire him? Never. He worries more about my business than I do. What sort of act are you putting on? I don't quite know how to take you. Take me? But I've been looking for a woman like you all my life. Maybe you don't write novels, but I'll bet you read them. Oh, life follows art, or didn't you know? I can tell by looking at you that you want to get out of here. Do I? Why don't we? I could never leave my husband. Now, that's an irrational statement. I'm an irrational person. My mother was divorced. I, I swore it would never happen to me. Which enables you to prove that you're better than your mother. Now, consider the significance of what you just said. You don't want to leave him because you're madly in love with him? No. You don't want to leave him simply because you don't want to leave him. I suppose that's what it amounts to. But suppose he were to leave you. He would never leave me. He would? If he were dead. Dead? What do you mean by dead? Dead? Who's dead? Hey, uh, is somebody dead? Nobody did. Nobody you know. We were... We were just making conversation. Some conversation. Well, a possibility has been raised. A way out of a situation has just been proposed. Death is an awesome thing to contemplate, but you will admit it can solve a great many problems. On the other hand... It can also introduce a great many problems. Rest assured, we shall have it both ways in Act Two. Sooner or later, death knocks on everybody's door. That's the bond that ties all of humanity together. In classical times, death was seen as a messenger who comes to summon us to another world. Although no one can deny death, anyone can employ him or her as the fatal courier. How democratic of death to work for all of us, rich and poor alike. Hey, Beatrice. Beatrice. Oh, what is it? I was just falling asleep. Now wait till you hear what I've got to tell you. Oh, tell me in the morning. While I was driving DJ back to the hotel, he just couldn't stop talking about you. That's so. Well, you made a hit. <sighs> I guess you know how to handle guys like him. Why don't you come to bed? Do you appreciate who he is? DJ Pryor, one of the ten richest men in the world. <sighs> Not at all the way I pictured him, either. Do you want to turn out the light? A regular guy. <sighs> Not a day over 50. A real good-looking athletic type. Ernie, here's what we're going to do tomorrow. Tomorrow? I want us to get in the car first thing in the morning. Uh, yeah, honey, about tomorrow. I uh, I can't make plans because uh, we'll DJ... we'll just pack a couple of things. No, 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 wait a minute. And we'll drive south to, to Florida. Well, what are you talking about? We'll stay two or three weeks. Are you serious? Oh, I have never been more serious in all my life. But, but I, I just I just can't take off just, just, just like that. Do it. Why? But number one, I can't take off while the big boss is in town. And number two, I, I, I can't just go on a vacation without making plans. Sometimes, Ernie, just do something for me because I asked you to. Look, just write a note. 
Something important came up. You'll be back in three weeks. I simply can't do that. Stop saying you can't. You can. Ernie, I want to go tomorrow. It can't be done. You just have to look at me and tell me you understand that. Now, come on. All right, Ernie. I understand. Yeah, I knew you would. I'm going to make up for it. You'll see. Hey, I better go downstairs and make sure all the doors are locked. I tried. I tried. We both know Ernest doesn't know. We both know that's why I'm here. May I come in? Yes, come in. But what if what if he comes back here? He won't. He'll be busy preparing a report for me. What kind of report? Now, you don't really care, do you? You'd better go. You really want me to? Yes. No, you don't. But you have to put up the ritual protest. I, I mean it. Who do you think you are? The Lord of the Manor? Oh, we're back to the British Empire. Oh, you see a pleasing peasant woman, and as a great baron, you may summon her to your bed. Beatrice, you're not a peasant woman, and you know it, and I am not exercising the droit seigneur. Although you'd be surprised how many of the wives of my subordinates wish I would. <laughs> not to mention how many husbands. What are we doing, then? Beatrice, this is how love comes. Suddenly. At first sight. Who says so? I say so. You, a hard-headed, realistic businessman? I save my realism for money matters. When it comes to love, I'm a romantic. So are you. What do you want? I want us to be together. I wanted you the moment I heard your voice on the telephone. The minute I walked into this room. Go ahead. Tell me you don't want me. Please. Please leave. Say what you want to say. I... Look at yourself. There's a mirror on the wall. Look at the color in your face, the fire in your eyes. You're alive, Beatrice. I'm offering you the world. Oh, I know that's what lovers usually pronounce in books and plays and even in real life. But you see, I own the world. It, it's just... It's just what? Ernest, he... Ernest will be taken care of. What does that mean? I'll offer Ernest a job. How will that change anything? A job that will kill him? No. Beatrice, I love you and you love me. You know what kind of life we can have together. But you want to kill Ernie? That didn't stop you last night. All evening you made sure to provoke me, to intrigue me, to tell me in no uncertain terms how you... how you long to be free of this nice, ineffectual man. How you were ready to climb. You were willing to kill Ernie last night. You knew then it was the only way you could leave him. I don't want to kill him. You won't have to. He's going to kill himself. Uh, you uh, wanted to see me, DJ? Uh, sit down, Ernie. Have uh, Have you read the report? Yes, I've finished it. And what do you think? How do I think? You're fired. I, I'm I'm fired. <laughs> I can't have you wasting your time here in the boondocks playing with a two-by-four foundry. Oh, no, young man, I have plans for you. Uh, please, DJ, uh, don't scare me like that again. Man of your knowledge, your insight, Ernie, I need you for other things, bigger things. Are you ready? Yes, sir. 
Well, I've had what appeared to be a, an insurmountable problem. Now I may have solved it. Oh, yes, sir. It's fate. That's exactly what it is. If I hadn't been forced to land here the other night, we might never have met. Well, that's how it sometimes is with a mammoth corporation. Ernie, I need a man I can trust with my life. I think that you are that man. Well, I, I hope so. I own a million acres deep in the Amazon rainforest. I don't know what made me buy it. Some corporation was in distress. They practically gave it away. You understand? I do, I do. It's, uh, it's hundreds of miles from anywhere. It's infested with predatory animals, tropical diseases, savages who probably never even heard of the 20th century. Uh, do you follow this? Yeah, I'm with you. Now, here's the map. Uh-huh. You see this river, the Eranura? Oh, yes, sir. Right here is a government port and a trading post. The trader's name is Science. He works for the El Legato Land Corporation, which is our subsidiary. According to Science, there's a rumor of gold further inland. A fantastic mine. I need a man, a geologist and an engineer like you, to go in there and tell me what it amounts to. Hmm? You're free to turn me down. Turn you down? Well, why, why would I do that? You could die of any one of a dozen diseases, not to mention wild animals, poisonous snakes, headhunters. Gold? Yes. More gold than exists anywhere else in the world. And you'll have an equity in it, Ernie. You can write your own ticket. When do I leave? Now, now, hold on. There should be a great deal of deliberation on your part. What? I'm 38. For the last 16 years, I've been a pencil pusher in your foundry. The job out there on that map, that, that's what I was trained for. That's what I should have been doing all along. Uh, honey, I, I don't think we should discuss it anymore. Do you realize what kind of country that is? Beatrice, we've been all through the thing. I won't be alone. I'll have native servants and guards and the latest medical equipment. I'm, I'm very, I'm very apprehensive about it. For the last ten years you've been at me, day and night, to do something, to get out of the rut and get into the world. But you don't have to go to extremes. And this is my chance to make it. And do you know the deal that DJ is giving me? We'll be millionaires. Ernie, Ernie, don't go. What did you say? I... I mean, do, do you mean that? I, I know how you feel about me, how, how you love me. I I know how you're going to worry. If you say, don't go, then I won't go. But remember, there are things I have to do for myself to prove myself. So, will you still say, don't go? Do, do what you want. The decision is yours. I thought it was a town. According to the map, there should be an airport. Yeah. Oh, there is. You, you see that cleared field? Yeah, but according to the map... Uh, you better forget about maps, Ernie. The guys who make them up are very optimistic. Now, oh, there's the Eleanora River. What? Can't be more than a creek. And that's the town. Richie, there's only two huts. One for the government agent and one for this guy, Sangs. Hey, you want to strap in? I'm going to sit it down. Mm, it's just a little clearing. As far as you can see, it's jungle for thousands and thousands of miles. Listen, uh, why don't you just pack it in? Pack it in? I just got here. What, what am I going to say to DJ? Well, I've been flying for DJ for 25 years. Every now and then he gets a crazy idea. When he does, you have to tell him where to get off. 
He respects you for it. But you think this is a crazy idea, Richard? It's an idea. What do you mean by that? Nothing. Nothing at all. i uh, tell you what. Um, I'll set you down and then fly to Rio. <laughs> There's a chick there that just can't live without me. I'll save her life for a couple of days, and then I'll come back and pick you up. Yeah, but I've made my decision. Sure. But I'll give the mosquitoes and the gnats and the Riorara flies 72 hours to work on you, and you'll be ready. I don't think so. You'll be in Senor Sign's office on Saturday. I'll be back. for 25 years. Well, whatever you're running, how you doing? <laughs> uh, you have not come all this way to listen to the travels of science. Sure. Also, I promised your guest I'd stop off and take him back home. Senor Oliver, he is examining now the instruments. He is preparing the equipment. A most serious person. He said to tell you he will remain. Yeah, that figures. Uh, what's this about uh, gold in the interior? <laughs> Who can say? Why do you think he was sent here? I would say he was sent here for the purpose of not coming back. Yeah. That's what I thought. To whom? How'd you guess? What else would he have that DJ would want? Listen, signs, uh, don't let him kill himself. What's to be done if a man is foolish enough to leave his wife? Look, you and I, we're, we're, we're getting older. We close our eyes to a lot of shady stuff G.J. pulled here and there along the line, but... When all said and done, we, uh, we may have to answer to someone someday. My friend Richie, how you drunk? No, signs. And that's what scares me. Uh, then, I too am frightened. Six months. A year from now, tops. DJ will get tired of her. He'll dump her. And then where'll she be? At least, uh... Let her be able to go back to her husband. Oh, yes, amigo. I agree. Now, see if you can figure a way to keep him alive. We could tell him the truth. Oh, no, no, no. That, that, that would kill him. Assuming he believes it. Well, do not have fear. I, science, will think of something. And I, for one, certainly hope so. It would be too bad for Ernest to end up as a snack for a crocodile or to have his head shrunk down to the size of an old tennis ball. But be optimistic. We have just demonstrated that wherever you go, there are kind people who are ready to help you. And on this most optimistic note, we shall wait expectantly for the third act. Parting gives a foretaste of death. Every coming together, a foretaste of resurrection. So says Mr. Arthur Schopenhauer, a rather gloomy German gentleman of the 19th century. We find his philosophy appropriate here because we have spent our last two acts arranging for a parting. Now we shall address ourselves to a coming together. Ah, uh, Mr. Science, I have been looking for you. <laughs> you have found me. But, my friend, here one must wear the hat outdoors at all times. Oh, yeah. You're uh, supposed to arrange for my expedition upriver? Yes. To verify those reports about gold. Ah, the gold. 
Uh, secondary evidence, we can verify that right now. Oh, we can. You see, there is no gold. Uh, well, how do you know? Even if there is, does it matter? Well, sure it matters, but I, I don't understand. A wall of the jungle, amigo. A fortress. One cannot break it through. It will take a hundred years. A million men. It will cost more than all the gold one might buy. Uh, but the point is, I was sent here... You were sent here to die. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? Anyone who tries to enter this jungle will not live. So, amigo, fly south to the cities, to Rio, to Brasilia. Enjoy life. And after some respectable time, return home and say to our friend DJ, sorry, the gold cannot be found. I thought you were an honest man, Science. I am, in my way. I am trying to save your life. Well, thank you, but I can take care of myself. Now, your orders are to furnish me with men, equipment, and supplies for a journey into the jungle. Is it that time of the year? Yeah. Is it ever a good time? One cannot guarantee the reliability of the men who are available. At the first sign of trouble, they will run away. Well, it's all part of the chance I have to take. Senor Hermes, is there anything I can say that might make you reconsider? No, science. Nothing at all. me to start up the tape again, Beatrice. Yeah, it's just it's just the way it is, DJ. You can see the whole city from here. Do you like the place? I love it. I dreamed of living in a penthouse like this. You can now have the most expensive things in the world. Are you happy? Oh, yes. For the first time in my life. How long will this last? Oh, excuse me. Are you going to answer that? I can't help it, Beatrice. I'm a slave to that phone. I'll make sure it's short. Yes? Oh. Well, what was the message? He did? Hmm. All right, good enough. That was about Ernie, wasn't it? Now, why do you say that? It was. I can tell. All right, yes. What did they say? He has just gone upriver into the jungle. Oh? Shall we have a little music? Turn, turn it off. All right, if you want me to. I, I, can you explain to me why, why I walked into a bookstore this afternoon and picked up a Bible and turned to Second Samuel and read the story of David with Sheba and Uriah? You read the story? Yes. But did you understand it? Well, I think it's obvious. Oh, nothing's obvious. David made love to Bathsheba while Uriah was away in combat. That was wrong. Of course it was wrong. And Bathsheba was now with child, as we are told. And you read where David summoned Uriah from the front and hoped that he would go home to Bathsheba to spend the night. But we were told that he did not. No. Now you suppose that Uriah, the loving husband, would rush home to his beautiful wife. But he didn't. He stayed in the palace, drinking and gambling with the guards. In other words, a night out with the boys. <laughs> That's the story, isn't it? Yes. Beatrice, why didn't he go home to his wife? It doesn't say. Which means that we're free to form our own conclusions. Hmm? 
Perhaps he didn't love her. Perhaps he was afraid. Perhaps he had discovered that David wanted her, and by staying away, he was announcing that he approved. Who knows? Beatrice, I love you, and you love me. Everything else is just guilt and cowardice and useless remorse. Useless remorse. That's right. Why do 99% of the people in this world never achieve greatness? Remorse. Remorse for what they did or for what they didn't do. Shall you live in the past with Ernie? Or live in the present with me? The world is at your feet. Yes. Why aren't you enjoying it? I, I am. I, I will. of the rocks they talk about. Well, that's where I want to do some samples. Place of rocks. Bad place. Here. Listen. Listen what? Why, what's that? Bad people. Place of rocks, people. They kill. Yeah, but we're coming here in peace, Amaro. We have gifts. No. Place of rocks, people, is bad. Ah, don't worry. I'll take care of everything. Come on, let's move up. Amaro, Amaro, what are you standing there for? Tell the men to move up. Senor, men will not go. I represent D.J. Pryor Industries. We'll straighten everything out. No, senor. Men will not go. Hey, you fellas back there. Come on, pick up your equipment. Amaro, Amaro, where are they going? You see, men go home. Come back here. Come back. Quickly, senor. Quickly, where? Run, senor. Place of rocks, people come. Kill. Oh, no, I'll talk to them. Senor, look in front of his chief. Shoot him. Yes. Ernie, oh, Ernie. 
Come on, you knew this would happen. Yes, yes, I knew. You had a choice, Beatrice. You chose me over Ernie. You could have sent me away. You sent him away instead. Why these tears? Remember what we said about useless remorse? Now your life truly begins. Isn't that so? Superstitious child. I tell you, he called. He couldn't call. He's dead. He said he was going to settle with you first. Oh, come on, Beatrice. Run, DJ. Run? Why? I'm so scared. We, we killed him. Beatrice, listen to me. He's dead. He died in the jungle. The dead are dead. They do not come back. I spoke to It's your imagination. He's come back. He'll kill us. Beatrice, I told you he's dead. DJ. I've come back, DJ. I have to give you a report, DJ, about the gold, DJ. Keep away from me. I'll kill you. You can't kill him. He's dead. Keep away. I have a gun right here at my desk. Why do you want to kill me? No, no, don't. Don't shoot. Put down the gun, DJ. You crazy? Put it down. They uh, said I'd find you up here. Yeah, yeah. I try to see Beatrice every day. Now, how is she? She's... She may get better. The doctors say her mind... Well, we can hope. We all uh, thought you were dead, honey. Yeah. <laughs> DJ thought I was, a, I was a ghost. He He tried to kill me. But we were positive you were dead. I should have been. I was hit by a poison dart. You know, you're, you're supposed to die immediately, but <laughs> I didn't. What happened? I don't know. Maybe I have some sort of immunity. When they saw I was still alive, they became very frightened. You know, no one had ever survived that poison. They thought I, they thought I was a magician. They worshipped me. But I was very sick for a long time, and it aged me. My hair is white, as you can see, and I'm all wrinkled, and I... I... I talk slowly. Yeah. No wonder DJ thought you were a ghost. Mr. Oliver, you may see your wife now. Oh, thank you, nurse. Excuse me, Richie. Poor Beatrice. She loved me so much. 
Did you know that? Uh, sure. She didn't want me to go, and when she heard I was dead, I... I guess it was just too much for her to bear, you, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How many men can be as lucky as me to have a wife like her? Yeah. Yeah, you're very lucky, Ernie. Very, very lucky. Well, he is. At least he's lucky to be alive. Consider, our story had three principal characters. One is dead, a second is hopelessly insane, and the third, Ernie, is the only survivor. And what does the story of Ernie, Beatrice, and DJ teach us? That two is company, three is a triangle, and a triangle always has sharp edges. I'll be back shortly. Fellow Americans, if you're still shopping here and there and everywhere for shoes, hold it right where you are. Put your feet together, stop running around. Just step around the penny and you'll cover the ground. Anywhere you want to go, head your feet in our direction. anti-itch drug I can buy without a doctor's prescription. Now, I use Bicozine Clean as directed. No more burning, embarrassing itching. No more scratching. Bicozine actually speeds healing. Bicozine Clean. What a relief. Time to change your laxatives. X-Lax pills gently stimulate your system's own natural rhythm. And that makes all the difference. X-Lax pills for occasional use only as directed. associating, structuring, and patterning must be based on triangles because there is no structural validity otherwise. This is nature's basic structure. See? Now, who do you suppose is the third in your triangle? Our cast included Felicia Farr, Ian Martin, Paul Hecht, and William Griffiths. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Braun. want to talk about it. Do I understand correctly? You changed attorneys? May I ask why? No. No. Please, stop asking questions. Now, Mrs. Rusk, I told you this investigation is my job. It's not easy for me, either. Easy? How can I talk to the police when two days after Harry's been killed, I get a letter from him as if he were still alive? A letter from Mr. Rusk? Yes. From Mexico City. He, he wrote... I'll be seeing you soon, darling. And then more about a new lawyer in Copenhagen. Look, I, I, I can't talk about it now. Can't you understand? It's too real. Like a voice from the grave. Now, will you please go away and stop asking questions? Please. Mrs. E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. 
Until next time, pleasant dreams.